Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. I wanted to specifically open with asking him how many students show up show up at math. I, I was always amazed in high school how many kids would show up at math class without a pencil. Just amazed that the teacher would get out the test and the number of kids that would raise their hand and say, I, I don't have a pencil. It's math class. You're not coming prepared to learn math. I wonder how much it happens in college. You're not coming prepared to learn the subject if you don't. I I get it if somebody if if it's it was always because it was always the same kids. I get it that somebody might have a bad day and their pencil fell out of their backpack or whatever once. But it was always the same ones that never had a pencil. I might step on toes today. There's there, there's the only warning you're going to get. I wonder how many people come to church, cell phones, purses, no Bible. I wonder how many toes I just step, stepped on in that one. Why, why would we do that? Um, may, I, I have a theory that we Americans in 2023 don't get this book. That we don't really get any longer how important this book is. This book is our foundation. Now, here's, here's the thing. We put scripture on screen. This is the same reason that kids don't do math anymore. If, if, if the computer doesn't tell you what the change is, they, don't, they can't figure it out. They can't count it back. We've got calculators that do it for us. We have computers that do it for us. We don't have to learn math. That's what the machines are for. And we're seeing this trickle down. First it was math. Now it's everything. The, the, the Internet does everything for us. You don't have to learn American history. You don't have to know where the capital of the United States is. You can look that up on the internet. You don't have to know who the first president was. That's what the internet is for. Um, that is, that, that's, that's not unique to the Bible, but it applies to the Bible as well. And we have a generation of people, of Christians, who don't know the Bible. It's on screen, so they don't bring it. They may not own one. Let, let me be clear. If you don't own a Bible, please come see me. We've... I, 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 there, there are, we'll get you a Bible. I'm not worried about that. There are people that don't own them. Um, but there are people that own them. And they couldn't find them at their house. They know they own one. It's somewhere. Maybe under that pile of dust on the coffee table. When I'm driving, when I'm driving, I get I, I, if you don't, if I'm behind you and you don't turn, use your turn signal. Just assume I screamed at you, okay? Because I did. That's in, in Illinois. You got tickets for that. Um, I want people to know the rules of the road. I'm safer for it. If I have to go to court, I want my lawyer to know the laws. I don't want an ignorant lawyer. Certainly, if I have surgery. 
I want my doctor to have done well in medical school and who have kept up on current knowledge. And We believe in a priesthood of believers, right? I'm, I'm not the only minister in this church. I'm the preaching minister. I do the preaching. We are all called to be ministers. We are all called to know the word of God. And so we use phone apps and look it up when we need to or read it on the screen behind us. But we have, as Christians, become lazy about the Bible. And again, I'm going to... The goal is not to embarrass anybody. When I was a kid growing up, in my dad preached in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, University Church of Christ at the time. Um, the first thing you did in youth group was you learned the order of the books of the Bible. That was just starting level. First thing you're going to do is learn the order of the books of the Bible because when we go to look stuff up, it helps to know that. We don't even, I, don't, I think a lot of churches don't even do that anymore, let alone, you know, certainly then we learned John 3.16. And I, I think society has become too easy. I mean, that's, it is. We, we have created an easy society with calculators and cars and and all these things that have made society easy, easy is nice, but easy becomes, then we become lazy. Okay? That's why we don't know math. It's why we don't know our history. It's why we don't know grammar. It's why we don't know all these other subjects. And in Christianity, that easiness, we've become lazy Christians, and we've forgotten the importance of learning this book. Never in history. We have, there are more English translations than, than we could count. I, I, don't, I have no idea how many English translations there are. There's the Revised Standard Version, the New Revised Standard Version, the English Standard Version. I mean, we, that, those are all based on the same. There's so many versions. NIV 1984, the more modern version of NIV. There are countries around the world, there are languages that don't have the Bible in any, you know, they don't even have one version of the Bible. We have more than we can count, and I think we've taken that for granted, and I think that we just take the Bible for granted. I don't think it's an important book to us anymore. Um, not because we don't have access to it, but because we have so much access to it, we just think it'll always be there, and it doesn't matter. I, I mentioned last week, in 1536, at the age of 42, William Tyndale was strangled to death, and then his body burnt at the stake for translating the Bible into English so that you could let it sit and collect dust, not you, personally, maybe, so that it could sit and collect dust on our coffee tables, this man gave his life. There are, there are countries where it is illegal to share the Bible, to read it. Can you imagine being a crime to own this book, that people risk their lives to share it, and we take it for granted? I, I would say that we're pretty lucky, but the truth is we're very blessed. That we have the freedom to own the Bible, to read it whenever we want to. Here's how important it is. I was informed. So there are about, you know, give or take, um, there are about 7,000 languages on earth. Give or take. So there are 700 languages in the country of Papua New Guinea. 
One out of ten languages on earth in that one country. Um, so many languages. Um, when I went there on a missionary trip for a couple of months back, back in high school time, um, we were pioneer Bible translators told us that the, one of the funny little quirks of, of the country, a lot of the names of the languages, like you know that English is named after a Germanic tribe called the Angles. Um, a lot of the languages in Papua New Guinea, the word for that language is, we don't have one. Because the missionaries would come in and say, what's the name of your language? And the people would give an answer, and they would write that down as the name of their language. What's the name of your language? We don't have one. Okay, that's the name of this language. So I was there, and I was talking with a young man, and I asked him, what's the name of your language? And he said, no got, which is pigeon for don't have one, no got. And I laughed and said, no, really, what's the name of your language? And he, I just thought he was telling the joke because he was, he was educated. He, he'd had a high school education, which is unusual in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. This guy had a 12th grade education, which is PhD level for over there. And he said, no, seriously, he said, we don't have a Bible. They've never sent missionaries to our people. Our language is not legitimate until we have a Bible. When the Western world recognizes us and loves us enough to send us a translator to give us a Bible, it will be a real language. Do we take this book that seriously? I did this experiment once. I don't want to embarrass people. I did this experiment once. This sermon is all over the board. There's barely an outline. Um, little game. Okay, We're going to see. Start with you, Beth. Name me anything about the book of Genesis. One thing. It's the beginning of creation. It is. Creation's in Genesis. Exodus. One thing about Exodus. Too many things, right, right. Put you on the spot. Leaving. Leaving. Israel left Egypt. Leviticus. One thing. Jewish law. If we keep going, I'm going to stop there. Somebody's trying to do the math and counting up and looking through their table of contents and says, I, I don't want Amos. I don't, I don't know anything about this book. If I, if I get this one, when they cut. In fact, so, so here's the thing. Trivia. Somebody's going to get this. Somebody's going to get this. You guys know I like Star Trek. The captain of the Enterprise is the original one, the good one. Kirk. What's his name? What's his full name? Does anybody know? Wait, what is it? Oh, the actor. What's the, the character? What's the character? Kirk. What's his first name? No, his name is not Captain. Smart Alec. There it is. Thank you. James Tiberius. That's what the T stands for. James Tiberius Kirk. What delightful trivia. Um, I obviously knew that as well. I, for the record, for those that call me on, this, on my cell phone, I didn't do it on purpose. But yes, my phone number is uh, 704-1701. That is the number on the Enterprise, 1701. That was not on purpose. 
but it should have been on purpose. And I should have, I should have asked for that number, but they gave it to me anyway. My phone number is so because I like I like Star Trek now. If I know the number of the Enterprise, if I know James Kirk's middle name, if I know that Spider-Man first appeared in Amazing Fantasy number 15, if I know that Iron Man first appeared in Tales of Suspense number 39, can I not name something about every book of the Bible? Doesn't this book matter more? Is it, is it embarrassing if I can't tell no knowing that if i believe that this is the most important thing book ever written that this is god's will for man why would i know more about spider-man than i know about this book or pick any hobby so so maybe sometimes there is that conviction occasionally hits us that maybe we should spend a little more time and not take this book for granted. Is it important? Is it more important than my hobbies? That doesn't mean we can't have hobbies. But if this book is God's will for man, um, can, can I score a 66? <laughs> can, can I say at least one thing about each book? Um, so we're in Nehemiah chapter 8 today. And we won't do this Hebrew style, where you all stand for the reading of Scripture. Um, But they even used to take it that seriously. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And if it's not on screen, it kind of drives home my point. Maybe we should bring our Bibles to church. All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. And so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate. In the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. What we read, as we continue to read through the chapter, and we we won't read the whole chapter today, during the course of this week, they read publicly together Genesis through Deuteronomy, which meant that they spent, by my estimates, five to seven hours a day standing, listening to the word of God. Um, they, they honored scripture. Uh, having it was a beautiful responsibility that God had given them, not to sit on the shelf and collect dust, 
but to listen to it. They loved God's word, and they took it seriously. Um, Probably more seriously than we do today. And, and that's myself included. Let me, let, me, let me be very clear on this. Um, the Scripture is the Word of God, and He wants us to read it, and that alone would be enough. We, we could stop there and say, God wants you to know this book. God wants you to read this book. If we take God seriously and His will for us, then we have to take His Scripture seriously. Now, I, let, me, let me say, I still struggle with this, and so... Personal testament. So when I was in high school, I joined a program called Bible Bowl. It was big in the Midwest. I know there's other churches that do it. I see a few people nodding their head. Um, the, the team that I was on, Greenview from Centralia, placed it, it was a Bible trivia competition of sorts, but it went beyond that because they would pick about ballpark 50 chapters a year to study. Genesis, First and Second Kings. Um, one year we did the apocalyptic books, Daniel and Revelation, and a few of the other books to go with them. Uh, ballpark 50 chapters. And, and those that were in it would dig deep. When I say dig deep, they, there would be a, you would have a team competition buzzing in, um, but then there was an individual written test um, for, so in case somebody was really good and they didn't want their team, you know, team holding back. There were, there were Bible college scholarships involved. The tiebreaker, I remember one year, the tiebreaker was always the same thing. Write the text. NIV 1984 edition. Everything counts. Punctuation, spelling, all of that. Capitalization. Um, I remember that the year that it was first and second kings, the guy that won was well into second kings before he made his first mistake in writing out the entirety of the text. Um, the team that I was on, Greenview of Centralia, placed in the top eight in the nation more than once. Um, it, was, it, it, it was a good team. Our coach was a man named Terry Edson. We support uh, missionary work. Uh, our church supports his son-in-law, Joseph George. Um, Terry impressed upon me just how important this book is. It, 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 I, just, I, I, I wish I could share his words the way that he put it on my heart that this book is that. So I went off to Bible college. I majored in Bible translation and, and linguistics. Um, studied to be a Bible translator in Papua New Guinea. Did that for a couple of months. Um, uh, uh, learned Greek and Hebrew and, and had the chance to teach, teach Greek at a Bible college. Um, went into ministry because I think knowing this book is, is everything. And I still struggle with this. I still struggle with making time to read this. Because there are those Star Trek novels on the shelf that are calling to me. And, and there are other things to do, and I can always get to it later. And I know that this book is, the, is so important, but, but acting like it is completely different. Because the Bible calls us to be a living sacrifice. And the problem with the difference between a living sacrifice and a dead sacrifice is a dead sacrifice is a one-time thing. You kill an animal, you put it on the altar, you burn it, you're done. A living sacrifice every day crawls off the altar and has to crawl back on. Your life, it has been said, God has given you 300 bucks. And he wants you to give it back to him. A penny a day. And that's the struggle. Because a penny doesn't seem like much. And we'll do it tomorrow and we'll catch up and do two pennies tomorrow. And then the next thing we know, it's been weeks, months. And we haven't given our life to God. 
during VBS, I, I, I liked her. I really liked her VBS curriculum this year. I thought it was very hard hitting. I think it's probably the best VBS curriculum I've ever had to work with. I like that one of the guys we talked about with, was King Josiah. Josiah, he's famous for being the childhood, the, the kid that became king when he was like eight years old. It's not why he should be famous. His granddad Manasseh was evil. His dad Ammon was evil. And they led Israel to a pretty bad place. How bad? When Josiah orders that the temple be repaired, the priests are like, oh, we found this book. What is it? Bible. It, it's hard to imagine that the priests of the temple found the word of God and didn't know what it was. It wasn't just they'd lost it. They didn't have a clue what it was for multiple generations now. Manasseh's reign, Ammon's reign. They did, nobody. That's not, we're not talking like somebody in their house. The entire country of Israel, God's people, had no word of God. What were the priests doing at the temple if they weren't using the word of God? That astounds me. And so that's why Josiah's reign is such a big deal, is the discovery. Here's this book, and we didn't even know that we lost it. And, and he, he encourages the people to follow. And God had decided after Manasseh and Ammon, God had decided we're done. I'm going to send these guys off into captivity. I'm done with these people. Josiah's reform is enough that God says, you know what, you guys are doing good. I'm going to, the punishment is still coming, but you're a good kid, Josiah. I'm going to delay that punishment for your sake because you turned to me and, and, and Israel turned with you. And so here we are in Nehemiah's day, and they know why they went into that captivity. God told Josiah, this, this captivity is coming. So post-captivity, the people knew that it was for abandoning the word of God. That that's why they were thrown off into captivity. And so they come back and so they're willing to stand five to seven hours a day for a week listening to the word of God. Because they know that the word of God was a responsibility that God gave them. And they took, at this time in, their, in, in Israel's history, <laughs> this remnant that has come back from captivity, they took it serious. And we read here that, that, that then they will continue to read that they fulfilled it, that they followed it. You know, there, are there boring bits in the Bible? Yeah, but that doesn't, yes, yes. And, and I want to say, I think I'm skipping ahead in my notes, not all scripture is created equal. It's all the word of God. It's not all equally applicable. We skip chapter 7 in Nehemiah because it's a genealogy list. I'm not saying don't read them. They are the words of God, but the gospels are the core. Jesus is, is why we're saved. And we expand from there. And if you, if you camp in the Gospels and you, and you read Matthew more than you read the genealogies in Nehemiah chapter 7, I'm good with that. I'm, I, I think God is great with that. Um, I think that the genealogies and the boring lists are there. I don't, I don't think God's offended by saying these lists are kind of boring. These names. Well, I read some of those names, right? I don't, I don't think God's offended if we say we don't like that as much as <laughs> Daniel and the lion's den. Noah's Ark. That, that's, that, that's okay. It's all God's word. But, but if we're devoted to Scripture, at some time in our life, we'll even read those lists because these were names that God left us. If it's God's word, we have a responsibility to read it and to know what God wants. But I, it's not just that there's a responsibility. We need it. It's essential in our lives. Look with me, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, continuing on in verse 7. 
the Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jozebed, Hanan, and Peliah, that's why I took all those language classes, <laughs> instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. I, I think just that little bit tells us so much. They had a Bible study. <laughs> they didn't just read it. They stopped. They said, this is what we just read. This is what it means. This is why it matters. Because it's essential that we get it, not just read it. God doesn't just care about the reading of the Bible, but about the understanding of the Bible. Because otherwise it's just words. So, as a, locksmithing gave me so many fun things. There, we, had some, we had some crazy customers, Okay. We had a lady that collected combination locks. Not on, installed on anything, just a board display with a combination lock. She was blind. She couldn't work at them. She had to have people tell her if they worked. It's the weirdest collection I can imagine. Had a lady that I went in, and, and, and she wanted a deadbolt installed on her front door. This was her fifth. She had four. Obviously, there was paranoia, but it was beyond that. She was convinced that about every six months or so that the other locksmiths were giving out her keys. So every, every deadbolt was a different locksmith, and she was bad-mouthing all of them. So I knew that we were getting ready to get bad-mouthed when I put this on. So right or wrong, I said, this, and high-security, expensive deadbolt said, this one's so secure, the only way they're going to break into your house now is through the chimney. And her eyes lit up. And I knew that we weren't going to be the ones bad-mouthed. It was going to be the chimney sweep that was going to get bad-mouthed next. So that was... I had a guy, we had a guy, high-security locks installed on his house outside, and the windows into the basement and the door into the basement to protect his phone book collection. Now, I've seen some strange collections, but this guy... And, and he was convinced, he was convinced everybody wanted his phone book collection. He was convinced it was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and, and that it was super valuable and it was an investment for the future. I have a lot of respect. There was a British actor that I loved who was, who was in the science fiction show Doctor Who. I have a lot of respect for Tom Baker who, when for the blind, uh, Great Britain made an audio recording of a phone book. And they let people poll, who do you want to read the phone book to you? And Tom Baker, I respect that they voted for him, they loved his voice, and he did it. And I can't imagine a more mind-numbing task than to read a phone book. That just sounds insane to me. Okay? This is not a phone book. This... These are not just words that scroll past your eye and you tune out and you don't pay attention. Um, I've, read a lot of, I've read a lot of books in, 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 in bachelor's degree, master's degree, linguistics books. I, lots, of, lots of lists of vocabulary and my eyes glaze over on a number of books and sometimes I find I've just read three pages and I don't remember any of it. And backtrack. Because some of that stuff doesn't seem like it matters. This book matters. Now again... I, 
I get that genealogies are, are kind of boring to get through, okay? Um, I compare them, as you know, to the credits in movies. That movie wouldn't exist if it wasn't for all those names at the end of the movies. I, I get that those people matter, but I'm the guy that watches the credits, and I don't try to read all the names. I usually watch the credits just to try to catch two or three names I might recognize just because I think that's a fun game. Our goal is not to read through this and just say, okay, I've read it, I've done it, I don't remember anything that I just read. Okay, Our goal, like they were, is to understand, is to be changed, to know God, to know how to love him better as we're following him. Joshua chapter 1 Verse 6, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The secret to success, not just for Joshua, but for all of us, is to meditate upon this book day and night, to make it a part of our life. We need this book. We need every word from it. It is essential that we not just read it, but that we get it, that we understand it. So, just if you were curious, so this whole experiment of Genesis, Exodus, I did this with my youth group back at a church in in Urbana, um, and I was kind of horrified that I couldn't get a 66. Bible college graduate, working on my master's degree, I got a 65. I was pretty happy with a 65, but Zephaniah threw me off. I couldn't have told you anything about that book. So I went home and read it, and then I was very frustrated that I still couldn't have told you anything about it. Again, it kind of glazed before me. I finally figured out one of the reasons I struggled to get it. I think it is the most average book of prophecy. I think if you want to read one book of prophecy and see what all the others are like, Zephaniah is essential. I get it now. Chapter 1, God's warnings to Israel. Chapter 2, God's warnings on all the other nations. Chapter 3, God's blessings on Israel. What I did ultimately, because I really wanted to learn it and I felt bad that I didn't know it, I spent one summer back in Illinois reading it every morning for an entire summer. Um, Just because I was bugged (laughs) that that was the book that I didn't know and I decided I'm going to know it and I'm going to know it well. It has been said that if every person in a church, if you've got a church, we've got 68 today, That's two leftover. If everybody picked one different book of the Bible, we could be a church full of experts. Can you, 68 people, if 66 people each grabbed one book of the Bible and said, I will read this book daily for a year, uh, we could have a church, we we could have a church of biblical experts where this church would would know, somebody in the church would be an expert on one of the books of the Bible. Um, I want to know God. And if you're a Christian, I hope that's your goal. We want to know God, and he has told us, this is the book, How You Know Me. I want to please God. God has said, this is the book, if you want to know how to please me, how to follow me, this is the book. Therefore, this book should matter. 
And, and to be clear, as a church, we care, I care, that you know this book because we do think it matters. That's why we have Sunday school. We will start up in the fall. We're going to start up Sunday night church again. Um, it's why Mark does the Bible study at his house and why we do Wednesday night youth here. This book matters. It, it changes lives. It helps us find God. It helps us follow him. Ignoring it, we're making it up as we go. Um, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. We keep, we keep reading. Then Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the word of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Don't grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Don't grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. The people of Israel wept when they realized that they had, were hearing the word of God, that they hadn't been following it, that they should now. Guilt can be a good thing. But at the same point, because it reminds us that we were doing something wrong. I, I, we're, people don't feel guilty about doing things wrong. Those are, that's, that's a struggle. That's a problem. But the people here were told, don't grieve. Now, that was the natural reaction. They lost sight of God. Anytime we take out his word and ignore his word, we will lose sight of him. Life gets out of control that way. But the people were told, rejoice. Because God's word the chance to follow God is reason to celebrate. He loves us. He forgives us. Let me be clear. That doesn't mean sin doesn't matter. Just because we celebrate doesn't mean that we go on sinning. But God forgives us. You know, guilt can, can serve a purpose. Satan loves it when we don't feel guilty for what we do, but he also loves it if we feel so guilty that we don't move on. and We just wallow in guilt and we feel terrible, but we don't make changes because we're too busy feeling guilty. God doesn't want us to live that way. Um, we are called, when, when we sin, we're called to repent. And then we feel overjoyed that God forgives us. And repent, of course, means change. And then we move on. We have the word of God. That's reason to celebrate. That's reason to read it. Um, people, I, I celebrate that people like Tyndale died so that I can read this book in English. We believe that this book is the word of God, that God inspired it to be written so that you can have it. We believe that it alone is the word of God that has been left for mankind, that it is the core of Christianity. It is, I have a little an acronym in my head, it is infallible, sufficient, authoritative, inerrant, divinely inspired, it is universal for all of humanity, and it is uniquely the only book that is all of that. Because if it isn't, if it's not all of that, then what? We pick and choose which bits we want to follow, which bits we don't, but you might pick different bits than I do. And if that's the case, if this whole book isn't true, then who's smart enough to figure out which books are, which parts are and which parts aren't? You pick some bits, and if you can pick some bits that are true and I can pick different bits that are true, then what we're saying is none of it matters. And then what are we doing 
here. We're wasting our time. God loves us and has given us his word, and that gives us joy. He hasn't left us adrift, and we can know what pleases him. Now, one of the things I like that we read here, joy and duty go hand in hand. We are content when we are fulfilling the purpose that God has given us. The people, we're told, share in the celebration. If you've got enough and there are others that don't have enough, share with them. Uh, A command to take care of, of those who are in need. Part of our joy in serving the Lord is that we get to love people on his behalf. We get to share with those in need. We should be sharing with those in need. And that provides us joy as well, knowing that we get to display God as we see him in in his scripture. We get to display God to the world around us. God shows us in his word how to do that. This book is not academic, it's practical. It quits becoming a burden when we see that it shows us how to live the godly life that we were meant for. We celebrate together in unity that we have his word that has been given to us, left for us, to guide us. And we can read it whenever we want. In that sense, I do think that English speakers are the most blessed people because there is no question that we have more versions, King James, all these other, NIV, all these versions, your choice. And, and what a blessing. Again, there are so many people in our world that do not have the Bible at all, in their language at all. We take it for granted too often. Let us renew our efforts to know the Lord through his word. Um, let us make a commitment to, to read his word, and in reading it, be changed, to be Christ-like, uh, to make it a part of our lives. If you haven't made the decision to accept Christ as your Savior, I'd like to talk with you about that after church. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.